All right. Welcome to Two Buds, One Rose, presented by your host, me, Jack, and Amy. Hi. So kind of kick us off. So we started this podcast. Really, it was just kind of something that we'd always kind of joked about doing. And then um, now we we found our way into a podcast studio. We're making our, our dream a reality. Yeah. Um, I've had this dream embarrassingly for like probably three years. And I've been always joking like, ha, huh, Jack, we could like start a podcast. But then it's kind of a reality now. It started out as us just texting on Monday nights and I'll be like, Jack, don't text me. I'm in class or he'll be like, no spoilers. But now we're, we've made it official. It's official. We officially have a podcast. We wow. Do. Well, if you're hearing this, we officially have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have a lot to talk about. So Katie's season of The Bachelor just finished up and we need to talk about it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of mixed feelings, but I think we'll just go over like our favorite moments, like our favorite uh, players, characters, whatever you want to call them, and then kind of our highlights of what happened in the end. So if you want to start, maybe just who are your favorites, Jack, this season? So right off the bat, I mean, I got to say my favorite from night one, one of my early favorites was Connor B. Oh, yeah. Catman showing up in the cat suit. That That just takes balls, honestly. Like, I don't think I could do that. No way. Like, and the worst thing about that is in most cases, they're played off as like the loser, like who came in the costume. Like, I don't know whose season it was, but it was the sloth girl. She didn't make it past night one, but Connor B took the cat idea and just ran with it. And I absolutely loved it. Although now we're starting to see a, a trend, it seems, with people dressing up as characters and then making it on Bachelor in Paradise. Because what was... The girl who dressed up as a shark but claimed she was a dolphin. Oh, it was Alexis. Yes. Alexis. She was and then like she showed up on Paradise. Yes. I think the gags get you on the beach a hundred percent. I don't know what it is about it. You're might not gonna probably make it into the top like eight, let's say, but I mean I was impressed with Connor B. I thought for sure after that first night either Katie's gonna absolutely love this or she's gonna think he's a loser. But if you know Katie, she loves cats. So Connor B, good job on that behalf. I also loved Connor, one of my favorites. Yeah. it. I mean, he also just played into it so well. It wasn't just like, oh, I showed up in a cat costume. That's that's the joke. Him, like, pretending to, like, not be able to get into the house was hilarious. <laughs> Him just, like, sticking with the shtick for as long as he did, I thought really made it more than just, like, a, oh, he showed up in a costume. Ha ha. That's been done before. Yeah. Greg was claimed to be the actor, but let's be real. Connor B. Oh, Connor B. True for sure. actor. Um, we'll get into Greg later, but yeah. my other favorites and kind of your other favorites too, um, loved Michael A. I think Michael A got one of the best edits on the show that you possibly could get. Um, being the single dad most of the time in throughout me watching The Bachelor, I mean, I've been religiously watching it, I think since about like Andy Dorfman's season, but pretty much like from then, the single parents have not always gotten the best edit, but Michael A., if he wouldn't have self-eliminated, spoiler, if you're listening to this, you've probably already watched it, but I don't think he would have self-eliminated um, unless that conversation would have happened, and I think he would have made it to at least top two, in my opinion. But 100% agree. I, I think Michael A. probably had two of the most like heart-wrenching scenes in Bachelor history with when he first talked about you know his wife dying of cancer. I was like, oh, my God, because he kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I remember the first couple of rose ceremonies being like, I remember just shouting at my TV because all it had under his description was Michael A. business owner, which it's like, okay, I'm used to somewhat, you know, 
random descriptions of what these people do, but just having business owners, like, wh- what do you do? The tickle monster can never forget yeah. that. <laughs> or him just, he would just be sitting at the final rows with like the biggest smile on his face, oh. like, like the rose ceremony, he's just smiling away. And it's like, is this real? Who is this guy? And then when he kind of opened up and was like, you know, my wife died, I've got a son, I was like, oh, I did a 180. I went from hating the guy to being like, this guy's my new favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched Chris Soul's season, but there was that crazy lady who she's like, my story's so tragic, and she was a widow. Michael was really cool in that sense of being that, like, being a widow wasn't his only identity. It was like, it's really shaped him into how he loves now because he's had to go his whole entire life loving someone for, I think it was like 16 years or something, he said, and having his son, and then to now, like, having to start over. He didn't make it like 100% his identity, but it was a reality going into dating someone that Katie's not just dating Michael. She's dating James too. So props to Michael A. Amazing. We'll talk about future Bachelor stuff too, but I really liked Michael A. And And speaking of James, (laughs) the most heartbreaking FaceTime I think I've ever watched in my life. The line of- I cried. (laughs) I know, maybe daddy just don't want to see me. Oh my God, how do you... Rip your heart out, America. That's what it felt that like. That was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen on the show. Any breakups, nothing compares to your son saying, maybe daddy doesn't want to see me. And I don't know if that was like Frank invited together, like really like edited, but man, heartbreaking. I don't even know how to describe. Like I would, I don't even know how you could go and be without your son or daughter for months and months like that's already heartbreaking enough and your biggest fear probably is that your child can't understand why you're gone so I understand why he left 100% but it was just so sad it was sad (laughs) but you know the producers were loving every minute of it when yeah when he took that FaceTime and and you know his son was said that you know some producer in the background was just like yes get this get this all this is gold literally (sighs) oh Michael all right. Uh, my other favorite, and I see it's also your favorite too, I loved Andrew S. I did not like him in the beginning. Andrew and S have, I, I have actually had a little banter back and forth on Instagram, a little fun, fun loving. Um, but at first, I thought his accent was extremely annoying. I just thought it was overdone. But I really came to love Andrew's authenticity and how he was just 100% himself and how he would explained his life was like growing up and how him and Katie related to that and how he genuinely wanted to be there with her. Although his little love note thing and then going back on it saying, I'm not going to be like a second round pick, very confusing. But besides that, I really liked him. Yeah. So I think Andrew S. the first night, he's a guy I flip flopped on all season long. I went from loving him, not liking him, loving him again. And at the end, I was kind of like, okay, weird ending but I thought his example as we talked about you know Connor B shtick with him doing the the cat suit at that worked for him as a night one thing I think the fake accent is like that's the dumbest thing that's something like a freshman in college does to try and pick up a girl in a bar or something um but I mean as the show kind of progressed I thought he had moments where you know he showed some maturity he showed you know I thought he was just a fun guy like he was pretty funny he got along it seemed like with the house really well the weird thing with this season was like the house union um, of how the guys kind of at times banded together to like kick out people that weren't there for the right reasons, like a Thomas or a Carl when they were, you know, stirring up their shit. 
And Andrew did a really good job, I thought, of kind of distancing himself from that. You know, there were other guys in the season that I thought, you know, like Trey and Aaron, for example, I thought got way too involved in every single little bit of drama. I mean, night one, Aaron was going at someone for, you know. I don't even know the guy's name. I can't even remember. Was it Connor or something? I don't even remember either. No, it was... I'm sorry who, if you ever listen to this, but I have no idea what your <laughs> name is. Um, speaking of like the right reasons, I did like make a note on this that I wanted to hit on. I really hate the whole going after people being there for the right or wrong reasons because you are lying to yourself going on that show, not thinking that like you're going to get Instagram famous, you're going to get clout, you're going to like have a chance to be the bachelor or bachelorette. Statistically speaking, you have a higher chance of getting Instagram followers, making money on social media, or being the bachelor, bachelorette, or going on paradise than you actually do on getting married. You're like, you can have the good intention of like, oh, I'm going to go on this show, maybe get a couple Instagram followers, and maybe fall in love, get to travel, whatnot. But you don't tell anybody. You don't ever admit this. So, Right. It's like the most unspoken thing of, of Bachelor Nation. Is- right. Everybody is there for the wrong reasons, at least a little bit. Are there people there looking for love? Absolutely. But everyone is there to try and get famous. Like you wouldn't put yourself through the, you know, emotional torture of going on Bachelor if it wasn't somewhat serving you and you helping and helping you get famous or helping you get followers and, you know, putting life on easy mode, as I like to call it. Like who wouldn't want to just have a million Instagram followers and be able to post about you know, skinny tea for the rest of their life and make <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars. I would love that. Skinny tea, if you're out there and you want to like sponsor this podcast, we would love that. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, I just, it really, it just grinds my gears when I hear people be like, they're not here for the right reasons. Thomas wants to be the bachelor. I'm sorry, but if I was single and I was going on this show, I said this when I was like 20, not even eligible. I had a whole plan. Like, I'm going to get on and then I'm going to make America fall in love with me and then I'll make it to the top eight and then maybe get to that hometowns and then there's going to be a tragic breakup that America falls in love with you and then you're the next bachelorette or you make sand as Game of Roses likes to talk about. So AKA making it on paradise, but you're lying to yourself if you're going for the right reasons. Sorry, it's my soapbox tangent, but just (laughs) it drives me nuts. I did, however, like like the blooper scenes with Aaron and Trey, particularly Trey, because he honestly seems like a very funny guy. He seems like a guy, though, who gets very involved, though, um, and wants to maybe just like do the right thing and always be the good guy, and maybe that's why it got him super involved with Thomas, and maybe there was this almost like bro out, like, like you said, all team up together, and if you're not on the team, that's going against somebody, like, you're going to get taken out. So I don't know if it was that mentality of why the guys kind of teamed up together. But you just know you don't talk about someone else unless you want to get sent home. Except for Peter's season, because we don't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's always the hardest thing on the show, right? If if you When you're thinking about putting yourself in the shoes of that guy where it's like, like, say an Aaron, where it's like, okay, I know this dude that I, I knew before getting on the show isn't here for the right reasons. He's a bad person how do you walk that balancing act of like, okay, do I say something about it and like potentially get myself involved in drama? Cause, cause I do think there is something there to, you know, almost like, Hey, this person's only ever coming to me. Like Aaron, I felt like every single conversation he had with Katie was talking about some other guy. And it's like, it's one thing to like stand up for something or, you know, call out somebody being an asshole when you see it. 
but it's a whole other thing to be like making that your identity on a show of, oh, I'm constantly the guy that's involved in drama. And some of it I do think is producers kind of making it appear bigger than it is. But at the same time, it's like I have never seen someone be successful or, you know, like make it to the end or at least make a, a deep run and constantly be involved in the drama unless they themselves are the one getting talked about. Like on uh, you had Luke P, for example, on on Hannah's season where he was constantly under attack and it almost made him more sympathetic to Hannah. And it's like, I feel like that happens. That's a thing that happens. The only way for you to get that far and be involved in the drama is if you're almost kind of the victim of it. And so I just think too many people on the show and, and I think Trey and Aaron on, on Katie's season probably illustrated the best. They're just constantly being involved in the drama where it's, Oh, I, I got to call this dude out. I got to call so-and-so out. It's, it's like, how do you, how do you, make a relationship or get to know Katie or have her get to know you if you're constantly talking about somebody else. I mean, you can even think about it like outside of the bachelor bubble too. It's like you're never going to get far in your relationship if you're so hyper-focused on exes and whatnot. I mean, that's even a hard thing like in the real world because I'll call it that. Like when you're not in this bubble that if you're so focused on other people being a threat to your relationship and not that person, you're not really getting to know that person. I did just quickly look up because there's only really been ever, I think, in The Bachelor history where the quote-unquote villain has ever won, and it was season 16 of The Bachelor. It was with Ben um, from Ashley A. Bear's season. Courtney Robertson was his winner. I didn't watch the season. I watched Ashley's, though. Yeah, that's before um, my time. Yes. It was a great season. You should watch it. Um, she was the villain, and she won it, but... Even Hannah Brown said with Luke P that if he wouldn't have said the things that he said, she would have probably taken him to final two. And thank God that didn't happen. But still, I mean, unless you're really involved with the drama and you can manipulate it to a way that you're not the bad guy, like you're not like they're the people making it up, there's no way. I mean, look at Queen Victoria. We saw how that played. We'll talk <laughs> we'll, about her later. We'll get to her. <laughs> But yeah, and I think Thomas played it as about as poorly as you can mm -hmm. with denying in the beginning, then like admitting like and always just giving like half truths. And then apparently there's a lot of stuff that happened off camera that we didn't see with Thomas and Trey of, of Thomas kind of being just a mean person. And that's where you saw, you know, when Katie dumped him, that's where she used those words is a lot of that stuff happened off camera. And that's always the hard part, I think, for viewers to understand is like as much as it is reality TV. There's a lot of manipulation by the producers that sometimes paint people out to be the bad guy or paint people out to be the good guy. And like with Thomas, you know, we saw obviously him admit to the group, like, yes, I, I have thought about being bachelor, which like we just said, like all the rest of the guys in the house, like if you didn't have that thought <laughs> cross your mind, like you're just not being honest with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, your priority may be Katie in that moment, but every single one of you to some extent had that thought of, yes, I could potentially be the bachelor. I thought where Thomas really shot himself in the foot was just the way he kind of admitted to it or owned up to it is he was just constantly like, deny, deny, deny. Okay, fine. You guys broke me down. Yes, I, I have thought about being the bachelor. And then something else would happen. And it's like, deny, deny, deny. Okay, yeah, you guys got me. And it's like that, you can't do that. Either own up to it in the beginning. I think if Thomas had said, you know, night one, like when, when he first was kind of the center of this, if he had been like, yeah, hand up. I've had thoughts about being the bachelor. That's not what I want anymore. You know, I'm here for Katie now that I've met her. That's that's definitely not what I wanted. But 
yeah, prior to coming on this show, I I had those thoughts. Like I don't I don't know if I think he could have recovered from that. It's yeah. just the lack of honesty, and and I feel like especially early on, you put that little bit of doubt in the bachelor or bachelorette's head of is this person really here for the right reasons? I think that's that's really the hardest thing. It's like if it's later on in the series when they already have kind of trusted you and been on maybe a one-on-one with you and they kind of, they've seen a different version of you, it's harder for them after the fact to kind of change their opinion of you. But when it's still early on and, and all they're hearing from everyone else in the house is this person isn't here for the right reasons. I think it's just that little bit of doubt that kind of creeps in, into the bachelor bachelorette's head. They might keep you around for another week to see maybe is this true or maybe kind of make their own opinion, but it's just not a good way to start off your run on the show. Yeah. Who do you think was worse, Thomas or Carl? Because I think they're both equally bad. Because to be honest, like I feel like I blacked out this season. I I don't even remember the Thomas drama. Like if I'm being a hundred percent honest, <laughs> I think I was just the Greg fight messed up everything in my head that I'm like, I don't even remember what happened this season. Because obviously I remember like Thomas was dishonest. I think that was his biggest flaw, and he was just continually digging himself a hole. Now, Carl, on the other hand, was an idiot. I'm sorry. Like, you were just, again, number one rule, you don't talk about other people, and especially when you have no evidence to back it up because people were saying, was this about Thomas? Was this about someone else? Because I really don't know, and I think that's what annoyed me more about Carl is that you have no leg to stand on because you're making these accusations, but there's no proof. It's like with the whole Victoria thing and her like going off and saying like, I don't even remember, just like all her nonsense. It's like, is what's worse? Like being dishonest about like your intentions or stirring the pot in the house? I think it's kind of like, okay, choose your character. Who would you rather have? Yeah, I think it was before it was either before the first rose ceremony or in between the first and second rose ceremony was when Carl basically pulled his, hey, somebody in this house isn't here for the right reasons, but I'm not going to name names, but just somebody isn't here for the right reasons. It's like like 90 percent of them. Yeah, (laughs) it's like a fourth grader or something. It's like somebody like your parents come home and they're like, hey, who did this? And like you're just being like, yes, somebody in this house is guilty. (laughs) Like that literally was what Carl played. And he was just hoping that somebody, I guess, Thomas in that moment, like whoever it was, was going to like raise their hand and be like, yeah, it's me. I'm not here for the right reasons. And then Thomas would look smart, but it really, that backfire, that was like the all time backfire. Also for a motivational speaker, I just want to say his speeches to the house were awful. RIP to his like motivational speaking career. I mean, chase your dreams, bud, but I would not take any of your advice. No uh, offense. I mean, if you're a great person, hit us up in the DMS, but, uh, (laughs) try again i'm trying to figure out who that guy was that aaron eliminated night one. Oh, courtney with a q i liked him too courtney courtney if he makes it to paradise which i don't know if he goes i would love that he was an okay guy he was one of those guys though where i was just like kind of like with justin too is like we just didn't see a lot of his interactions with katie so it's like why is he here like a uh, fireman guy like we didn't see hardly anything with him. He was like down to the final five. Who 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 was Fireman guy? Um, I forget his name. <laughs> you got the cast pulled up. So Cody was the guy that Aaron kicked off after like episode one. Yeah. Who and was then... the Fireman guy? James. Brendan. Brendan. Uh, Brendan. But he's friends of Blake. Did exactly. you see that? The fact that we couldn't remember his name is a perfect encapsulation <laughs> of his role in this season. Because like 
he made it basically to the final. I think he was one of the last five. And remember, he sent himself home because he was basically went to Katie and was like, hey, I feel really great. Because remember, he didn't get a one-on-one. It was when Katie yeah. gave Greg his second one-on-one. And that's when he basically like went to Katie because he realized I'm not getting a one-on-one. And he's like, hey, why am I here? And I remember like sitting at home watching and being like, yeah, I don't know why you're here either. <laughs> like, what is going on with you? I didn't know that Blake was 30. Yeah, he's old. Okay. We just alienated all of our 30-plus listeners. <laughs> Michael's older than him. <laughs> King Michael. <laughs> yeah, and oh, okay, really quick. What were your thoughts on Hunter? Because I had mixed feelings. Because after the show had, like, aired and Hunter's really come forward on his, like, social media, I, like, I dig Hunter. On the show, I don't think it was made for him. But I think in real life, like, outside that bubble, I would, like, be friends with Hunter. Like, I think I could vibe with Hunter. Yeah, I mean, after, uh, at the men tell all, I think he really kind of redeemed himself in my eyes because he pretty much owned up to, like, yeah, I wasn't super truthful because, you you know, it was that clip of him saying, like, oh, yeah, here's the final four. And then someone asked him in front of Katie. Oh, it was Trey, like, told on Mm -hmm. him, like, oh, Hunter's already got his final four. And and Hunter, like, what's he going to say? Like, (laughs) Yeah, Katie, I'm, I'm basically, like, you know, making bets on who's going to stick around. So he lied. Like, obviously not great, not a good look. And then I I kind of do understand, though, his point with, like, okay, there's one – there's a difference between somebody, like, randomly asking you, like, are you falling in love with, with Katie? And then literally being put on the spot in front of the entire room with Katie right there. Like, I could see how he would say, like, one thing to one person and, and another thing when he's, like, kind of on the hot seat in front of the whole entire group. So I think, yeah, I think he was just kind of a victim of the the show a little bit. I, I do think he kind of had his moments where he was a little, um, you know, less than truthful. But I, I don't really hold anything against him the way I do against, like, a, you know, Thomas or, like, a Luke <laughs> P. Luke P is my ultimate villain. Yeah. He's up there with Vicky. They would be perfect. Just kidding. Um, yeah, Hunter, I really, like, I follow him a little bit more on Instagram. A lot of these guys, I've seen them kind of outside of it. And I like Hunter. I, I think, again, he did the mistake, like I said, the wrong reasons thing. It's like you can't talk in that Bachelor lingo. Like, if anyone else listens to Game of Roses podcast, like, I become very, like, versed when I talk to my friends about, like, oh, like, plays of the game and all this stuff because it's amazing. But – Hunter, like, 100% probably listens to that podcast, one. And two, he's thinking, like, we're going to be top four. Like, if you were really, I think, speaking in a language that was better, I would say, like, you'd say, oh, I hope I make it to hometowns or the four of us, hopefully we get to hometowns or fantasy suites. Like, the top numbers make it seem like it's a game, which it is, but – you don't want to like admit that. Yeah, like the I hope I get a rose or like mm-hmm. almost making it seem like it's a game show with like prizes, which let's be honest, it almost is a game show, is, but you just can't you admit it. Followers. You can't admit it. Yeah. It's the unspoken thing. Before we talk about Katie Gregg and Katie Blake, let's just talk about Katie briefly. Now, I have a theory that every time someone becomes the bachelor or bachelorette, you end up hating that person by the end. They make a decision, they do something wrong or they clap back and they get this whole negative energy towards them. I mean, every single person who I have liked that has become the bachelor bachelorette, most of the time I don't like them at the end of it. Like pilot Pete, for example. Great. I loved him on Hannah B's season, hated his own season. Hannah B, I liked her season. I mean, she picked Jed, which was, 
a huge error. But <laughs> <laughs> I letting mean, Tyler Cameron she, go is probably the biggest sin oh of my all of God. Have you seen that man? Um, it's it's insane. Or even like, yeah, Pilot Pete. Were her and him a good match? Who knows? Who else was in besides Luke P? Who was before that? Wasn't it uh, Garrett? Don't really like him, but. There was someone else. Yeah, I didn't oh, do Mike, my homework Mike on Johnson. Hannah B's season. I just did homework for this season. I know. I'm just, <laughs> I, I know I'm backpedaling. But again, like I said, if you become the Bachelor or Bachelorette, most of the time you're a fan favorite on a season. And that's why I get nervous for predicting who's going to be the new Bachelor or Bachelorette because I'm afraid I'm not going to like them. Well, yeah, I do agree with that. I think it's easy for us to kind of like, you know, armchair quarterback and like, like <laughs> nitpick all of their little decisions and, and say like, Oh, Katie shouldn't have done this. Cause I actually, I really liked Katie going into this season. And as you know, from our text, <laughs> I am not a huge fan anymore. Cause what I liked about her was on Matt James season when, you know, in the, it was like the early weeks, Sarah, um, on that season, who's from Missouri, went to Mizzou shout out. She's from Missouri. I don't know if she's from Missouri, but she went to Mizzou go tigers. Uh, <laughs> She was obviously, she was dealing with, you know, stuff with her dad having ALS um, and obviously not handling it really well. And so she ended up sending herself home like the night one and she was using up a lot of Matt's time in the beginning. And that's what kind of caused the whole like Queen Victoria crowd and, and her gang of mean girls to really gang up on or, uh, on this Sarah. Um, and and Sarah actually interrupted Katie's time with Matt. I'm like, they're one of their first like cocktail um, nights that. She literally came up and like grabbed Matt and stole her away from Katie when she had literally already had a one-on-one. So Katie obviously came out, like came after her, was like guns ablazing, like, you know, hey, you just stole my time. You already had a one-on-one. What's up with this? This is not cool. And then Sarah kind of like broke down and was like, oh, you know, I'm going through all this stuff. And Katie, like the 180 that she did, and obviously we know now Katie and her dad like has lost her dad. So that's like a obviously sensitive topic for her. But I thought that showed like a really rare maturity on the show. Because usually it's like, oh, you stole somebody else's time, like, early on. You're automatic villain. Like, I hate you now. We can never be friends. And just the way that Katie, like, stood up for Sarah and then stood up for other people in the house as the season progressed, I was like, wow, this is kind of new to Bachelor. Like, we've never really seen this before where we've had a contestant, you know, kind of, like, standing up for people and, like, doing it at a point where it's almost, like, to her, you know, it's not – it's hurting her a little bit because Matt's like all of a sudden now she's getting involved in all this drama and it's kind of getting in the way of her and Matt's relationship. So I thought that was really cool. Like to like see Katie do that. And that's why I was like a huge Katie fan going into the season. And then, yeah, I do think, like you said, there, there is something to like loving characters on the show and then hating them when they get their official season, because it's so easy for us to like either see stuff that they're not hearing when, when they're on the show and nitpick all of their little decisions that they make or like, Oh, you sent, you sent Andrew S home. He was one of my favorites. Like, what, what are you thinking, Katie? How could you keep Justin around and send Andrew S home? Cause that was my thought, but yeah. So I, I liked Katie a lot. Um, not sure where I stand on her now, but I, I loved Katie going into bachelorette this season. And then obviously think, she had a lot of stuff go on. I think her, like, I don't even know, like her bold personality has really come out even more because she's clapped back on Greg. She's clapped back on the haters. I mean, she's gotten so much public attention that she's just firing back at them. Like, I admire a woman who's just so passionate about what she believes in and her thoughts and stuff. But I think also, like, a healing heart needs to definitely be dealt with before you can fully express, like, heartbreak leads to a lot of feelings and leads to anger. And sometimes people say things that 
maybe like when they look back, they're like, I could have said something a little bit better. But also I never want to like take away her feelings from the heartbreak and everything that she felt. But also like I think now especially she needs to focus on this time as a newly engaged woman and really focus on her relationship and healing her soul from the journey. Because as we know, the producers manipulate the shit out of you. And I think she didn't, she tried not to let that happen. And we'll get into that about the whole Greg spiral stuff. But I think the reason I liked her so much is because she was so herself. And then by the end, like she still was herself. But I think just adding fuel to that fire of like clapping back at everyone on Instagram, clapping back at everyone on social media, because she's not, she's not the atypical, she's not the typical bachelorette. She's an atypical bachelorette. Let's talk about Katie and Blake. I have a lot of thoughts too. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) My first question I have to you, though, is do you think they'll make it? Like, do you think they'll last? That's so hard to say. I, I'm i going to say no, just because I think there was so much that happened on Katie's season. Number one, Blake showed up late, and the show is already a very, very quick amount of time to potentially fall in love and propose and get engaged to somebody that I think Blake showing up late you know, just gave them even less time than what they would have otherwise had. I also think, you know, as the show goes on, each week gets more and more important from a, you know, emotional attachment standpoint. And as we saw with like the Greg and Katie stuff and that breakup happening literally like the day before, you know, her and Blake had their, you know, last one, one of their last one-on-ones before getting engaged. I think that's really, really, really hard to go from, hey, I'm, I'm crying on the floor of my bathroom and I'm going to send myself home asking for a plane ticket to the very next day, potentially telling another man that I love him. I mean, that, I don't know. It Obviously, I've never been in that situation, but for me, that that feels like something that's almost like, it feels like a second choice a little bit. Um, and obviously, we nobody knows except for Katie what, what she's actually feeling. But it, to me, as just somebody watching it, it almost felt like Blake was like the consolation prize. Yes, I kind of like, I see both of that. Be- well, so something blew my mind as you were saying that, that we Blake technically did not enter, I'm going to call it the game, the game until week five. That's crazy. And weeks eight, nine, and 10, technically the last couple of weeks, they were technically like only together like three or four weeks. That's crazy. Can you to me. imagine getting engaged to somebody you've known? Well, I mean, they like knew of each other, but you've really only known them and had, you know, person to person interaction with them for three to four weeks. I will say my mom would kill me. <laughs> she would. Um, <laughs> but I will say, like, before Katie becoming the bachelorette, I did even say out loud, I said, oh, Blake and Katie would be a great match. And because I genuinely thought their personalities matched well. But to me, it did not seem fair within her journey to bring him in quite literally halfway through when she already formed all these connections. And I completely, I don't think her and Greg were necessarily supposed to end up together, but I think it really threw a wrench in that relationship and the Michael A relationship and Justin and Andrew. Because I think by week before Blake, she probably thought, I'm taking Greg, Michael, Andrew, and uh, Justin to hometowns. Like, she probably already thought that. And then, once she kind of got a little closer, she probably was thinking, oh, I'd rather take Blake to hometowns. Because Greg even admitted from the get-go, like, he was 
threatened by Blake because he knew that they would be so alike. And I understand the whole consolation prize thing and kind of thinking like, how could you say I love you to somebody without like, how could you say I love you to someone uh, after you refused to say it before? Um, it's a whole thing, and I'll kind of even get into that with more of the Greg stuff. But I don't know if the last, because again, I'm really into statistics, <laughs> and we haven't had a bachelor slash bachelor get married to their final pick since Rachel and Brian. Um, mind you, her season was in 2017. They got married in 2019. And Jordan and JoJo, who got engaged the year before that in 2016, still have yet to get married. Again, COVID, all that stuff has affected it. But there are only three bachelorettes who are still married to their final pick. Out of the last 10, two are still married. Four out of the last 10 have broke off their engagements. Um, five, if you count Claire, but they got back together. Well, and no word yet, too, on if Aunt Lindsay gives her stamp of approval of the Blake <laughs> oh and Katie relationship. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, and then even for Bachelor, it's even worse. Um, only one man is married to their final pick in Bachelor. It's Yikes. technically like two or three, if you count, like Matt. And then like Ari and those guys, but whatever. Aunt Lindsay. Um, we need to real talk quick. About Aunt Lindsay. A bold woman. I mean, I respect her interrogation skills. Like, she should really get hired by like the CIA or something because I don't think I could have lasted through that. I don't even know what you want to call it. It seemed like an interrogation. Interrogation. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't a family interaction. It was. God, I wish I would have written down, like, quotes from it. It was like, oh, that's nice. Like, you're unemployed and you're going to Africa. It was like, holy shit. Like, she did not hold back. And he was like, yeah, I understand it's not going to be easy. She goes, yeah, no, it's not. Like, I don't even know what exactly she said because my mind was so blown. The line that stuck out to me was when she was like, you have to understand, you know, we don't need you. (laughs) Like, you're here if we want you around kind of thing. Like, we don't actually like need you at all. Like we are independent women who don't need no man. Like she made it clear. She laid down the law to Blake of like, look, you are lucky to be sitting where you're sitting right oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact that you're even like made it this far, like you should be like getting on your hands and knees, like waiting on us. Like we are Queens. You are dirt. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it makes sense though from like Katie's, I don't even know, just her attitude towards everything. And she's very independent. I mean, I, I understand where she gets it from, her mom and Aunt Lindsay, but I mean, also... I do think it was a little toxic of Aunt Lindsay, though, to, to act... I think there's a difference between, you know, being protective and, mm-hmm. and going overboard and almost belittling the person. Because that's where it kind of crossed the line was when it was like, okay, we don't we don't want you around. And, and in my view, it's like having the parents or, you know, having family ap- approval is definitely an important part, you know, of a relationship, at the same time, though, like, I feel like parents, you need to be supportive of, like, hey, like trust your kids almost. Like, you know, Katie clearly has brought him along this far for a reason. It's it's okay to be protective, but you should still – it almost shows, like, a lack of trust in Katie almost at how hard she was going at Blake. And, like, you know, it, I, it felt toxic to me. And, like, I was, like, picturing myself in Blake's shoes and being, like, this would be my worst nightmare ever, like – I don't know how he proposed parents. with that. I He's got some major balls after that. And the fact that they went to, like, a healer afterwards, I think Katie must have felt so bad that Lindsay made him feel so terrible. Because, I mean, it was a little bit toxic, I will say. Like, there's a certain point, like you said, of caring and then bringing damage to a relationship. But we have seen that a lot in past seasons, too, of just the parents going really hard on these people. Which, I mean. Which, fair. In the real world, 
how like how would you not be protective of your niece, nephew, son, daughter after knowing someone for six weeks? When in all honesty, I mean, at that point, you're lucky to have had maybe two one-on-one dates, maybe if that before hometowns. I mean, technically, Greg was the only one up until that point to have that second date. Justin's parents didn't even show up. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Aunt Lindsay, I mean, you're bold. Maybe a little too bold, but like, keep doing you, boo. All right. Um, should we talk about we talk about the elephant in the room? Yeah, let's talk about Greg, Greg and Katie. Okay, I have a really hard time forming like a full opinion on Greg because I will say, up until the blow up episode, I was a fan. I would not call myself a Grippo girl because no, um, but I was really disappointed. I mean, I understood like, and we texted back and forth when this happened because I really had to have a full day to really process the blowout after hometown there's also a lot of franken bits so i don't even know what's full form a full opinion because definitely a lot of stuff was left out but i understood at the moment that with his frustration and that with his trauma of losing his dad and he finally found someone that he thought loved him didn't give him that validation in that moment that you would expect like if you told someone you filled a hole in my heart i loved you more than anything naturally as a human you would expect some sort of like touch, kiss, like anything. And that could have gotten edited out, which I kind of think it did because it looked horrible. Like it was like, oh, I like looking at you. That'd be like, I like your socks if you told me like that you loved me. It'd be like, oh, great, thanks. Like, Yeah, I think if I was Greg, I'd be looking for like the nearest bridge or tall building. <laughs> yeah, and so I felt really bad in the moment, but I don't think... He was looking for her validation and he he needed he needed her love in order for him to feel love. And in her bachelorette realm, giving him the first impression rose, having two one-on-one dates, constantly giving him maybe like physical touch, kiss, whatever, telling her that she's so happy with him was her reassurance for Greg. Now for Greg, who I don't think was ready for this experience whatsoever or was truly fit for let's call it the process I don't think he was cut out for it which I really think affected him in the end of his ability to receive and give love because I also don't like how the one second you're given like you're not given validation in that moment how you just blow up because I don't think his actions were justified looking back like really like him like processing and looking back at it but like I don't think you could have gone about it better Katie could have given you some sort of reassurance like I really, really care about you, but there's two other guys here, and I really can't say those three little words confidently knowing that there are other men here, but just letting you know something. Like, I don't even know what the right words would be, but she could have given, I think, a little bit more. I'm not saying spill your heart out, but I also think nothing or giving, like, minimal of what we saw as viewers really triggered his emotion, and he just kind of was like, fight or flight, I'm done. Yeah, I think Greg definitely, like you said, he was not ready emotionally for kind of the, the process of dating the same woman as, you know, 20 other men all at the same time, which honestly, like, no judgment there. Like, I think that would be extremely hard for anyone. But clearly, like, there was more going on there than for the average person because of the stuff with his dad. And I think that's really what it came down to was the whole idea of, like, Katie filling the hole that his dad left. I don't know if that's, like, a super healthy you know, emotional state to be in. 
Um, I also think, though, Katie kind of boxed herself into a corner a little bit by setting that rule of, oh, I'm not telling any man that I love them until it's like the final one. You know, I, I, I think personally, like you should say that like when you're ready or like, you know, because it is scary. I feel like to say that to like put myself in Greg's shoes for a second. Like, can you imagine like saying that spilling your heart out the way he did and then not have it reciprocated and like not even like not even close, at least at least again, what we saw, not even close. Like, I just love looking at you. That to me is is so tough. And the thing Katie kept saying was like, oh, like, I don't understand where this is coming from. You know. I've given you two one-on-ones. You got the first impression rose. All of our one-on-one dates have been great. And it's just that idea of like, yeah, that's great. However, like each week, as we've talked about, is more important than the last. And so for her to, you know, yes, it was like the one time, but it was the most important time. You know, if there was ever one time, one date that could have maybe not gone so great and they could have recovered from, it would have been one of the earlier dates, you know, a a cocktail party one-on-one or, you know, their previous one-on-one, maybe not ending on a great note, heading into hometowns, that I think could have been survivable. The fact that it was like, okay, this we're at hometowns. Next up is like fantasy suites and like potentially an engagement. Stakes have never been higher, and so for Greg to not get kind of the the affirmation that he was looking for in that moment, I think really just kind of like we talked about on the other end, I think that put like doubt in his head at least that Katie wasn't feeling the same way because like we saw in after the final rose. I definitely think Greg crossed the line in the show with kind of how he was talking to Katie and like the tone and word mm-hmm. usage that he picked was definitely a little over the line. But basically, like when he was on after the final rose that, you know, him saying like, look, you knew what I needed to hear in order to stay and you chose not to say it. So clearly, like you didn't feel that way about me. And that's the thing I feel like Katie still like at, after the final rose didn't understand was that Greg didn't want to be around if if Katie didn't feel that way. Greg wasn't going to be a guy, I think, to hang in there at the end and then only to find out that he lost. I think Greg kind of was a guy, like, at the first sign of trouble was going to almost, like, cut and run. I don't know. It was definitely – it was a hard, you know, hard situation for both of them. Clearly, I think they each have kind of some emotional stuff to work out between the two. I I think there was fault on both sides. I don't think anybody can either be, like, totally Team Katie or totally Team Greg – you know, I definitely think Greg, the way he exited the show, showed a little bit of lack of maturity because, like Katie said, like leaving without saying goodbye or like absolutely when she's like sitting there, like literally like begging him to stay on her hands and knees. It's like oh, it's like I think you maybe can say okay, like maybe I need to take a step back and and relax for a second and be like okay, she's not saying the three words that I want to hear, but you know that she's keeping that L word out. But but clearly she wouldn't be doing this if there wasn't something significant here. He also, I think, made that decision before he went in that room that he was leaving. I think he had buried himself into a hole in his room thinking, like, she doesn't love me. I'm leaving. There's no change to that. Because you could just tell by his body language the second he got in there. Oh, it was a breakup. It was a breakup. Like, there was no, like, I want to talk to you about this, which, again, lack of maturity. I don't think he was ready for that. And he just didn't hear what he wanted to hear, and it set him off. One thing I, I told you earlier was on the Nick Vile podcast, He had Greg on, and one thing that makes a lot more sense now was that I I even said, like, Greg needs to go to therapy. I think therapy is very normal. I think he's someone that needs to process his trauma because, again, he was putting everything on to Katie to fill that void in his soul and be able to learn to love again because of his dad. And he said after his dad died, he went to therapy. It was, like, this 80-something-year-old guy. And then after, like, six months of going to therapy – his therapist like got diagnosed with like stage four cancer and then died. And it 
ruined therapy for him. And he had a negative relationship with it that the one person he put everything into that he trusted was gone. Which honestly makes a lot more sense now. It really, like, the fact that he gave therapy a try and then was so traumatized again because his therapist died? I mean, like I said, I'm not Team Greg. I'm not Team Katie by any means, but they, they were not right for each other. In my opinion, like, seeing it now, like, I would never want my partner to talk down to me on either end, um, saying, like, I deserve more. It's, like, it's kind of weird because, like, this show is about her and we don't ever focus on the contestant. And so I think that was kind of coming out being like, this should matter about me too, which in the normal world, Greg, you're right. But Katie runs the show, which kind of leads into my next little point is I don't think Greg solely leaving made her want to leave the show. Cause you've said like, how could she get engaged? And how could she say, I love you with a guy that she wouldn't say, I love you too. And threaten to leave the show over. I think Greg was just the tip of the iceberg. It was just like, I think it was the combination of Michael A. and Greg both leaving was that she had finally lost control. Because what it seemed like is that she didn't seem like to have a lot of support from the producers or anything. I mean, her marketing was horrible. Like, it's just they didn't seem like ABC was behind her. And so I think, like, she was just like, F this. I'm out. I'm leaving. And Caitlin had to talk her off, off of her stool and basically convinced her to get back into the bachelorette position and try things out with Blake and I mean I think she found what she was looking for even though looking from our perspective we're like how in the f is she happy when she said she was gonna quit and she couldn't say I love you to somebody but then says I love you like a day later I don't know I think it was just a blow up I think it's everything was just out of anger and frustration and losing control and Greg, someone who she probably thought by, like, week three was her guy, was now leaving. I mean, she even said Michael A. might have been her person, which I thought she liked him. But I don't know how much she liked him until he left. So There's no way Michael A. and Katie would have worked out. I don't know. I had hope. Um, but overall, I think Greg's word choice and his ability to communicate was poor. It was immature. Some may say gaslighting. I will agree on the sense of putting the blame, like, you weren't Katie, like, putting it, turning around on her was definitely very gaslight-like. I mean, I'm not a professional when it comes to labeling that, but from what I understand about gaslighting, that was definitely the case. But also, it was just a hot mess. They shouldn't be together. That's my end case in point. I hope Katie and Blake are fine together, but do I realistically think it's going to work out? I don't know. I What's wish, your Greg thoughts? <laughs> I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. Yeah, I th- I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, I don't think Greg and Katie were ever going to work out together. I was kind of indifferent. I was definitely like, you know, somewhat on Greg's side, but I was somewhat indifferent than heading into after, fi- after the final rose. I thought Katie on after the final rose was like, as much as Greg crossed the line on the show, I thought Katie big time crossed the line on after the final rose, you know, bringing up the acting and, you know, that kind of stuff. I thought that... And that's where I feel like I'm almost more on Greg's side in all of this is because it's like, okay, Greg's, I can almost forgive. Yes, he crossed the line, but that was heat of the moment, like raw emotions on the show. Katie had time to process her emotions. She's in another relationship, supposedly, that's nice and loving. She's moved on. And yet to come back on the show, and I can understand being mad, but, you know, to kind of question his motives, which I don't think Greg was on there necessarily for, you know, 
the wrong reasons, as we like to say. Everybody is, but I, I don't think Greg, more so than anyone else, was there for the wrong reasons. And, you know, I don't think he he's that good of an actor. You know? <laughs> Somebody, I was like, if, if whoever his acting coach is, if, if Greg really was acting, I'd be, you know, getting all over social media right now being like, hey, I trained Greg, come <laughs> join my acting school, and you'd probably, like, sell out in two minutes. Yeah. But, I think, yeah. I, I talked about this, too, with, again, if you haven't listened to the Nick Vial podcast with Greg, I think, honestly, it answered a lot of questions that I had, even though everyone has their mixed opinions on Nick Vial. I think it was a good interview. Um, Greg talks about the acting. Apparently, they talked about the acting more on After the Final Rose, but again, it got edited. That's why I'm like, it could have been interesting being live. I think Katie was justified in being angry, but also she never had a chance to talk to Greg up until that moment. So everything we are seeing is Katie being filled in by every social media source about his alleged acting career, his ex-girlfriends, every possible thing. And I would say if I was in her shoes, I probably would have blown up too on him. Now, does that mean it's necessarily justified? No, but she has her right to express her opinion. If Greg would have been more mature and had ability to communicate, they both were not great communicators with one another, and that's why it was such a bad, toxic fight. I, again... Neither one of us are like Team Greg, Team Katie, but I'm glad that things have kind of settled and Greg has been able to kind of talk about the things that came up. And a lot of it makes sense with he hasn't even ever been to an audition, allegedly, according to that podcast. I kind of understand because I don't think you're that good of an actor. Or uh, If you're trying to build an acting career, I feel like being a contestant on The Bachelor is not a great way to go about it. Yeah, There's easier I, ways to break into acting. I don't think acting. so. And I, everyone has their hot takes on Greg. I think I'm just kind of over it. I kind of just want to move on to the, the next realm, which I think is our perfect segue into the best time of the year. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> It's paradise. paradise time, baby. Let's go. So in the second half, it's going to be a little bit shorter. Um, we're going to break down the cast, who's there, um, a little bit of the preview, uh, maybe have some hot takes. Um, and I have a little bit of beef with uh, my fear of the fake first-time meeting encounters that are going to happen on the beach. One thing I'm trying to do to going into paradise is have a blank slate with all the villains, try not to have any preconceived notions on Thomas. I know not you, but I'm trying, (laughs) I'm trying to be more open, but when it comes to Victoria, it's going to be a whole other ball game. Um, Quick little thing on the fake first time meeting. What I mean by that is I follow most of these people on social media. I don't know if you, you do Jack, but a lot of these people have already met pre-show. I mean, Oh, yeah, we saw Last Paradise with the uh, all the stuff going on with Blake and Stagecoach. (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, Yeah, they all... Apparently, they've all been, like, sleeping around together, and they're all been, like... It's it's a hot mess. And that's what makes Paradise so great, is that there's all this history that we don't get to see that happens off-screen, that you get these, like, random people hating each other night one, or, like, Mm -hmm. these love triangles emerge, like, so quickly that it's, like, how could this happen? It's because of how, like almost like incestuous the bachelor nation is is. of they all just like different seasons or it's like just a giant mix. And that's, that's why paradise is the best because you get all these storylines and that's like where you get the real stuff because the producers can't mess with all the stuff off screen. No, they can't. So speaking of Blake, um, he actually said to someone, I don't know which podcast it was, but he was saying that like, if you thought I was like incestual, you have no idea who these people are because there's like the Nashville group, the New York group, the LA group, the Texas group, and they're all sleeping around. Not there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's going to get messy when you get to the beach people because (laughs) 
whole if there was this much drama with Blake sleeping with three women in one weekend, <laughs> we're in for a shit show. So I'm just anxious to see the fake like, oh, my God, it's so great to meet you when you all have been clearly hanging out in Nashville together or New York or whatnot. But I'm curious to see how those plot lines are going to go. So I picked um, out some favorites. I have my top four guys that I'm excited about and the top four girls. Not necessarily that I'm excited about, but that I just can't wait to see them. Yes. My the my top guy is not even technically a contestant. It's Lil John. Yeah, <laughs> He's everything in that preview. Like, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, like, listen to this and then hop over and watch the preview where it's just like, yeah. I think I watched it 18 times in a row. Just the short one that's on Instagram. It's so it's perfectly timed. Like I have always loved Lil John, and everything in my like soul is loving the fact that he's going to host. All the hosts are going to be amazing. But and also, not getting into controversy, but I think they've been doing a good job without Chris Harrison. I think Tasha and Caitlyn did a good job. I think the guest I thought Tasha being Blake's ex was kind of <laughs> funny, but that was hilarious. Like picking out rings with your ex just to get not to get back to. Katie's season, but picking out a ring for your potentially future fiance with your most recent ex-girlfriend, I thought was insanity. And then also, oh, I just proposed. Who's the first person I hug? That's not my fiance, <laughs> my most recent ex. Absolutely hilarious. Could only happen on Bachelor. Yes. But to say that, I think people have been kind of back and forth on hosting, but honestly, I think having new host in there is a great new spice to it. David Spade is going to be awesome. I can't think of the other two. I know it's a Backstreet Boy. I can't remember. Sorry, Backstreet Boy fans, if you're out there. Um, also, like, Wells already does the main job of it. I think he's, he does more than Chris Harrison ever did for Paradise. Wells has the best job. Can I just say that? the guy? Jorge. That's who it was, who was the old bartender. Yeah. Hilarious. Wells has the best job. He just gets to hang out, pour people drinks, listen to all their sob stories, and just be, <laughs> just be around. Yes. Doesn't get involved in any of the drama, just... Living life. Perfect. Dream job. Okay, so let's get into the contestants we got lined up. So uh, on July 8th, ABC announced the first 20 contestants of The Bachelor in Paradise, um, with up to 20 more joining them whose names have yet to be released. And then later in a separate announcement on August 9th, ABC announced that former Bachelorette Becca Kufrin will also be joining us in Paradise. Here's the full list of confirmed contestants. So we got Abigail, Brendan, Becca Kufrin, Deandra, Demi, Ivan, Jasenia, Joe, Carl, Kelsey, Kenny, Kendall Long, Mari, uh, Marissa, Natasha, Noah, Serena Chu, Serena Pitt, Tajwan, uh, Timmy, Tia, Victoria Larson, and Victoria Paul. For those who don't know, Victoria Larson is Queen Victoria from Matt Season. In the preview, we also saw Thomas, McKenna, Chelsea from Matt Season, James Connerby, Aaron, Trey um, from not Tasha, Katie, obviously, Season. Um, and then Piper, Riley, and Chasen. So I, I, I don't know, obviously, if this is everyone, but this is just everyone that was labeled on it. Did you or, say Demi? Yeah, Demi okay. was on there. Yeah. She's my favorite. <laughs> um, there's so many people. And this is also, mind you, I'm pretty sure this is filmed, like, in a month. It's oh, insane. Yeah. Okay. Um, like I said, it's going to be interesting who's all hung out before. So who are your... So for awesome. guys, number one is Brendan. And Brendan was on Claire Daddy. and Tasha's season. Um, <laughs> most beautiful eyes I've ever seen on a dude. You know, so Brendan said, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. Now that I remember that, 
he was the one who was like, you know, I'm not really feeling like I'm ready for an engagement yet. You know, I've been married before. Um, so I'm excited to see him on Paradise. You know, it's weird. You talk about statistics. Paradise actually has more successful marriages than the actual show Bachelor and Bachelorette. Yeah, I think so. Like with engagements and marriages, like Goose and Crystal got divorced. She got pregnant and is with someone else now. I mean, well, she had the baby, actually. And then the first season wasn't actually a real marriage, but I think they have, I think, as many or more engagements and marriages out of it. Because technically, you could also count like Ashley I and Jared, too, because they technically weren't engaged in Paradise, but got engaged afterwards. Um, anywho, people, I'm you're excited about. You said Brendan, Connor B, Catman from from Katie's season. Obviously, <laughs> I don't think a fan he's going to last long. No, he's definitely not. Um, <laughs> especially you know the whole narrative of him not being a good kisser. That's not going to get him far in Paradise. So, Connor B, he'll be around. He'll be some good content. I feel like he's going to turn into like one of the really like pouty guys and get sent home the first time the girls have the roses. But I'm still excited to see him on the season just because. You know, he's going to bring the ukulele. You know, he's going to bring some sort of instrument. He's going to play some music. People are going to get annoyed by him. It's going to be funny. Um, Trey, I think Trey will, will shine in paradise a little bit. I think he's definitely going to get involved in some some beef again because that's that's just what Trey does. Um, and same way with Aaron. Aaron, I think he's going to be a guy. I'm hoping that we see Aaron cry in paradise. Not, like, for anything bad, but I just think he's going to get involved in some Let's beef. see tears. And... <laughs> He was a guy on Kate or on Katie's season was like, "Why are you yelling at me?" Like, so I just love when Aaron gets involved in beef, and you know he's going to get involved in something. So I'm excited for them, also just because they're yeah. all fresh on my mind. Well, the um, preview coming off Katie's season, you see it all over the preview that Aaron, of course, is once again involved in all the drama. He just can't stay away. He can't stay away. He loves it. Yeah, I'm excited for all of them. I kind of picked up some couples on the preview. I saw Noah and Abigail, which Abigail should be protected at all costs. 100%. And Noah's not it. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. Um, Serena P., the queen, and Joe. Um, I have nothing personal against Serena Chu except for the conversation she had with Katie that made her look like a complete idiot. I don't think she'll last very long. Um, Becca and Thomas? Um Yikes. And then Demi. It looks like she's causing all sorts of trouble with love triangles. Love like, Demi. You know, Demi is just, she's a tornado. She's not giving a care in the world right now. Like, she's going to, I'm going, she's like, I'm going to sleep with the men and the women. She's just going to, like, cause such a shitstorm, and I'm so here for it. Me too. I'm really excited. But looks like she tried, she causes trouble with Mari and Kenny. She also makes out with, like, Brendan on the preview. It's going to be messy, but I can't wait. Um, and then I think I saw, like, Riley and Marissa, too. My most important question for you, Jack, is mm -hmm. how long is Queen Victoria going to last on the show? I don't think she's going to make it past, like, a week. I think she's going to have – I think she's going to be one of the first people sent home. I think it's an episode or maybe a half an episode. Yeah. I truly, like – it's comparing an apple to a pomegranate, but like the whole Corinne thing, like if, if Corinne minus the horrible incident that happened, um, I don't think, cause they cut it. I swear like half an episode when that whole incident occurred, like I think she'll cause some sort of chaos in the first half of the episode, like Chad did. And I think everyone's just going to hate her. Like she She's just doesn't seem like a good person. Like there's, 
I just yeah, I don't I don't see looking at the cast. I there was not a single person on the cast list that I'm like, okay, sh- they would potentially like pair up together. Because for those who don't watch the show or watch Paradise, it's all about like the way you survive kind of and make it to the next round is you have to kind of pair up with somebody almost so that you know like one week the guys get to re- get to hand out the roses, the next week the girls get to hand out the roses. So like getting a couple, like forming a couple pretty quickly makes you almost like safe. And I just don't see any of the guys because she has a super high opinion of herself. And so, you know, she's going to be going for like that top tier of men there, like the most attractive guys there, like the coolest, most popular. And I don't think looking at the list, any of those guys that would fit that kind of bill would give her the time of day. Looking at the other cast list she's going to be competing against on the girls. I just think there's so many better options that I don't think anyone's going to put up with her shit. I don't think so either. Okay. And I really hope I'm trying to like speak it into existence too. Like I just don't want to have to watch a full season of paradise with queen Victoria on it. It was like it on that season. It was a little too long because honestly, if you've watched a lot of previous season, the villains are normally gone by like episode three. Like I had a bracket for a math season. It was the first time I ever made a bachelor bracket. Very fun. I would love to do it for paradise, but I don't know if they do it anyway. I had her gone like week three, but technically she didn't go into like week four or five because they kept on dragging her out. But again, that's a producer poll. There's like Matt was not attracted to her. Like he even like admitted like not in like a superficial way. Like who would be attracted to someone who acts like that? And I'm sorry, Victoria, if you've changed, whatever. But like the way you acted and were speaking so low of the woman, I can't remember her name, but it was like the Miss Puerto Rico who came in. She was calling her like horrible names. Yeah, she literally said she was like a prostitute. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, well, I heard it from somebody else." So it's like, but yeah, you oh, were no, still no, perpetuating. Oh no, that was the other it. girl. That was um, Brittany. Oh yeah, so she had beef with multiple women. Yeah, like yeah, she was just she was just not a good person. Like she just lacked complete self awareness too. Mm-hmm. Like when they brought her back at uh, you know the women tell all like. <sighs> There was no remorse whatsoever. Like every now and then, like we saw with Hunter in this season where he was like, yeah, I didn't really play that right. You know, I kind of messed up. With her, it was just like, no, everything I did is great. I'm Queen Victoria. Like she literally (laughs) stole another girl's like tiara off her costume. Like it's like there's things you like, okay, there's being a villain and then there's just being like an asshole. And I think she definitely was a clown. She was 100% a clown and it was a complete act. Like if you want to say there was an actor on a season, that was it. I. Ugh, I just I can't I can't even stand the way she was. Anna talking about that whole incident, like Anna showed remorse, like Hunter. Anna was like, I should have not spread those rumors, like I've ruined this girl's life. And I mean, she clearly has shown a lot of like, hey, I should have kept my mouth shut. But Victoria took it and ran with it, and that is not going to last her long in Paradise because Paradise is going to be messy. If she has her eyes set on one person, you know she's going to go crazy, and she's going to literally kill somebody like she's gonna try to do whatever she can and ruin someone else's life and I don't want to see it it's not even funny like I don't I'm not looking forward to watching her on tv whatsoever like she is the epitome of that girl you regret walking up to at a bar (laughs) like the second she starts talking you're just like oh my god what have I done how do I get away oh my I hear someone calling me I gotta run like she like the complete lack of (laughs) self-awareness like she's not even like, in my opinion, that attractive. Like it's like, if you're not going to be attractive, like you got to at least bring something else to the table. Like I hate to say it, but am I wrong? 
I mean, you hesitated. I will say she looks a lot different than she did in her photos. Yeah, because you sent it to me. Remember, you go, yes. Who is this? I, I literally, so I did that today again when I was like prepping for this. I literally was like scrolling through the cast photos in a little slideshow, and I was like, wait, who's this person? And then I saw the name, and I was like, wait, that's Victoria. So it's like she's just she's super fake. Like all her persona that she puts off online on her social media is not what she shows up as in person. And that, yeah. that for me is a huge deal breaker like that. She's just not a good person. I think you cannot be like the cutest person and like you can redeem yourself with like great qualities that you're like a really funny down to earth person. But if you're yeah. like, let's say like, I don't even know, like I hate being so superficial like that, but, but anyway, it's like she, there's not one redeeming quality in her. Like, even though she, like, dyed her hair and, like, has done this and that for her image. Like, that's great on you, Victoria. But that doesn't change the fact that you're a horrible person. Or at least you look horrible on TV. Like, maybe you're great in real life, but. And, like, you can't even I, say it's, like, I the producers it. spinning it. Because it's, like, the no. stuff that she says, it's, like, the producers. It's similar to, like, the Michael A's son FaceTiming him. You know the producers are just, like, oh, my God, this is great. We couldn't write this stuff. Yeah. So I I don't know. I, I, I think hope she was a plant. I truly think that they like sought out like the most insane person they possibly could have grabbed. And she's really received a lot of hate. And I mean, she's not not getting hate right now. But I I would just love to not see her on my TV this summer. But they had to bring her. They had to bring her on. I'm making a prediction now. I do not think she will make it. Whatever the first elimination is, she will not make it past no, that. I I don't think so. Like maybe she'll last an episode. Maybe. And I'm gonna be bringing like streamers and confetti <laughs> if she does get kicked off yeah all righty well i think that's it i'm excited me too i'm very excited i i think we're just gonna really go full steam ahead with this next season of paradise and then michelle's season i have it written down when it starts i believe it is October 19th. So Michelle's season will come right after this and essentially we'll have whoever the next bachelor is. That was one thing I forgot to mention before. We also like have to remember the next bachelor is based on not only Michelle's season, but bachelor in paradise and Katie's season and Tasha slash Claire. So there's a lot of potential bachelors. Will they do two bachelors like they just did for bachelorettes? Will they make it like an even thing where every year there's two and there's one on the other end? Or are we just going to say, F the patriarchy and give two women every year? Hey, I say run with it. I like it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not opposed. Right. I would say my biggest, we'll leave it on this, my biggest, um, I think the next bachelor, if I could pick somebody right now, would be Andrew S., if I had to make a prediction of who I would pick as the next bachelor, it's Andrew S. would be my pick. I'd say Andrew or Michael. I'd be happy with either one of those. And see, I just don't know how Michael does it with a kid. They did it with Jason, so I'm optimistic. But I think realistically, or Justin, I think Justin would be fun too. He's a very expressive human, and I respect that. going to make art for everyone? What'd you say? Is he just going to make art for everybody? Yes, painting like one of the French girls. Um I'm know. excited. I think there's going to be a great list of guys to come. But also think about, like, you have Ivan from Tasha's season. You have Jason from Tasha slash Claire's season, that one guy that she went on, like, that first date with that basically was him or Dale. You got that guy, too. There's so many options. And Queen Michelle, 
she's gonna probably have some great options too. I I, I don't think there's anybody that I'm like, no, don't make them the bachelor, but we have so many options. I'm excited to see how it's going to go. And who knows? Maybe we'll find someone in paradise that gets their heart broken and they'll pull a Nick Vial or a Colton. I could see Brendan doing that. Brendan getting his heart broken in paradise and then becoming the bachelor. That'd be fun. I could see that. He's very attractive. (laughs) So he, he fits the bill on that. But there's one last question I have for you too. What's your favorite? Bachelor or Bachelorette, you can't count Paradise because it's like its uh, own superiority. Like I was it's... gonna say, Paradise is the obvious answer. Yes. Bachelor, or Bachelorette. I think I like Bachelorette more than Bachelor. I was just about to say, I think I like Bachelorette more than Bachelor too because I like the guys' drama better. Because like all the women, like the girls' drama, just it just seems so petty a it's lot of the dumb. time. Where it's like it's just straight up lies, and I just get annoyed of like why are we just debating what are clearly lies? Whereas like with the guys, you get like the like oh like. You know, we got the the Carl's nonsense where it's like, what are you doing, Carl? Like, the, it's the bromance I like, and, and also I love the bromances like that. Not pitting women against each other is kind of nice. Tanner B and Greg romance when they were like cuddling on the couch together, so like, that cute. was hilarious to me. So I I like Bachelorette more probably would would be my answer, but Paradise is the goat. Yes, I agree. Well. Thank you so much for listening to our first podcast episode. Um, If you're listening, obviously it happened. Um, This is our first rodeo, so stick with us um, and let's have some fun. Yeah, and we're going to try and drop these every Sunday night so that you can listen to it, you know, in your work day on Mondays and get ready for uh, every new Bachelor in Paradise episode coming out on Mondays. Yeah, get the the refresh before the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at twobudsonerose. All right. We'll see you next week, guys, and let's... Get ready for paradise. Woo!